Delve into a world of words with books and beyond. A podcast made especially for audiobook lovers. I came into the world as the youngest of five children. I wondered children. what Her Majesty would be like. Fie upon you, limpid one. Why have you taken... Immerse yourself in gripping stories and timeless classics from the comfort of your own personal space. Sun Zi underlined three points on the context game initiative. There was initiative. no better wine and not to mention... The Whether you're a bookworm or a casual listener, our carefully curated selection of audiobooks will transport you to new worlds and stir your imagination. Subscribe to Books and Beyond and start your audiobook adventure now on radio.cgtn.com or your favorite podcast app. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable coming to you from Beijing. I'm Lai Ming. Coming up on today's show, we mark the International Museum Day on Roundtable. Recent reports suggest museums, art galleries and exhibitions have become popular destinations in China and that young people look at a day at the museum as a social occasion. What does it say about the country's museums and their visitors? Also, the Roundtable team have spoken to producer of Musilog podcast, Wan Ying, who shares her expert but fresh perspectives on the evolution, current state and future outlook of museums. In the meantime, Li Yi and Yu Hongling will join today's discussion on the role of museums in our lives. If you follow Roundtable China on a podcast platform, there's a big chance that you are a young museum lover yourself. What's your favorite museum? Do you look for museums when you arrive at a new city? What do you hope to get from a trip to a museum? Share your views with us by emailing us at easyfmroundtable at foxmail.com. Now on Roundtable, the International Museum Day special. We begin our discussion by, well, a little, ba- a little bit of background on the International Museum Day. What is it about? Well, the International Museum Day has been organized by the International Council of Museums since the year of 1977. It usually represents a unique moment for the international museum community. And on this day, you know, basically all museums all over the world would plan some special creative events and activities related to this day. And they would just engage with their public and highlight the importance of the role of museums as institutions that serve society and its development. Usually their activities could last for a day, a weekend, or a whole week. The objective or the purpose of setting up this International Museum Day is to raise awareness, to really make the public realize that museums are very important means of cultural exchange, enrichment of cultures, and development of mutual understanding, cooperation, and peace among peoples. Particularly this year, the theme of International Museum Day is Museum Sustainability and Well-Being. It really focuses on the importance of the environment, health, and well-being in everyday life, and especially how museums can be very important contributors to promote that sustainability and well-being. You know, when we are talking about sustainability, usually we would think about environment, planet, but I think it's also about sustainability of museums themselves. So that can be a 
a very important issue to be discussed during this year's International Museum Day. And particularly for China, you know, China joined in the council in 1983 and has officially celebrated the day as a main venue with various themes since the year of 2009. And this year, I think museums across China have planned for different activities, exhibitions to really celebrate the International Museum Day. Especially, I noticed that some museums have planned to um, hold some soothing ancient musical instruments activities to really provide and promote well-being of its visitors. Yeah, and I have noticed online that there are so many different uh, kinds of activities around China. Yeah. I've seen a live stream selling their cultural and creation um, stuff, artifact stuff. And there's also another one holding a very special exhibition, a temporary one. I think it's with the communication with other museums. So yes, museums around China are doing their part, celebrating the day of them. Mm, that's quite interesting, because if you look at the history of museum, it's quite interesting to see the evolution of museum, the concept of museum, also the ideas behind the construction and uh, organizing and even management of museums. Uh, this has really come a long way. Uh, what is the latest trend in, with regard to museums? According to a forum on museums in China's uh, National Arts and Crafts Museum on May 10th this year, experts from both China and abroad participated in the museum, exchanged their ideas under the theme, A City as a Museum. So I feel like this is the new trend. Instead of building a museum about the city, we're trying to turn the city into a museum in the sense that everywhere you go, it's supposed to be part of your touring the museum experience, the landscape of the city, the architectures, the places you go, different destinations in the cities, all things combined together should be your whole museum visiting experience. I find that concept quite new and very promising. I feel like if this can really happen to any city or if we can really organize the city in this way, it could be quite interesting to you know, our future tourism destination, tourism industry as well. I think that's a very interesting phenomenon. And I think it has something to do with how we define museums in recent years, mm. because uh, previously you would think museum is only a place with very um, concrete physical building. You know, inside the museum, you will see a lot of collections and mm. some, some treasures inside that museum. But nowadays, you know, experts and also visitors are calling for a new definition. They are saying that a city is a museum. I would say Beijing is a very good example, mm. you know, thinking about those hutongs and uh, buildings uh, in Beijing and also all those parks. And we have so many urban cultural heritage, garden landscapes and historical streets in Beijing. So some people are saying Beijing is also a natural museum. So that's uh, something new happening here in China in terms of the museum sector. In the meantime, uh, for young people, they are increasingly considering museums as a place for social events. That means they are not only coming to museums to look for some, to learn some new knowledge or to learn something about the treasures some collections, they are also here to make friends. So for example, there's a lady named Zhou Xia. She's a 26-year-old lady from Nanjing, Jiangsu province. She said that each time she goes to the museum, she has the chance to meet other museum lovers. And <laughs> 
and they have even set up a special WeChat group to share you know news about popular exhibitions and to visit exhibition together. And、uh, I think that's quite interesting, especially among young people. Its、uh, museum has no longer been considered as a place. That is quite nerdy, you know. It's exactly. Only,、yeah. I was thinking that. I mean, previously, I feel like if I do that or if I say something like that, people would say, "Wow,、oh, nerdy alert!" <laughs> But nowadays, it's becoming trendy. My era is finally coming. Makes me very happy. And in the meantime, we see that in the past decade has been the fastest developing decade for museums in China, with the total number of museums, exhibitions, and visitors doubling nationwide. On average, a new museum is built within a year and a half. Have according to the National Cultural Heritage Administration, at the end of last year, the number of museums had risen to six thousand and one hundred and eighty-three. Quite a lot of museums to visit.、Mm -hmm. So here in China, museums have come a long way.、Uh, not only in the number of visitors who go to them and trying to have a good time, but also the structure of people who go there seems to be changing. Uh, young people, twenty young people. Twenty-five percent <laughs> of museum reservations were made by people born after 1995, and this is quite interesting. I wonder what is leading these changes with regard to museums, and what is changing people's lifestyle and behavior with regard to museum going. Well, I think definitely urbanization has promoted such process. I mean, you are seeing more museums, you know, very good quality museums being built in cities, big or small, in China. And、uh, obviously, I would say local governments have more money to really invest in building that museums and to also inviting more talents in the sector and also introducing more valuable treasures and collections to be included as part of the exhibitions in museums. And also, I would say,、uh, social media also、mm -hmm. plays a very important role in building and promoting that process. Because a lot of times, you will see young people they are trying to posting very good-looking pictures inside those museums, and that somehow would also lead to a museum craze, especially among young people. And talking about that, I would say my personal observation would be. A lot of museums in China, they are doing a really good job in building their infrastructure. I mean, in building their building construction,、mm. because a lot of time you will say those museums themselves are a piece of artwork. Especially, you know,、uh, thinking about the Imperial Qing Museum we went to together, like、mm -hmm, in,、yeah. in Jingdezhou in Jiangxi Quite Province. Quite impressive. Yeah, that museum itself is a Qing. You know, that is used to. Um, produce、uh, porcelain and ceramics in ancient time, and that building itself is art, and that can attract more people to visit that place, and then more people could just be invited inside that museum to learn more about porcelain and its culture. The Imperial Qing Museum certainly is a very good example of modern museums here in this country, because. Growing up as a little child in a small county in rural China, I I cannot really recall when was the first time I've been to a museum. Probably、uh, in my late teens or early twenties. <laughs> so when I、uh, reach a big city and to pursue、uh, college studies, and so um, I, my understanding of a museum would be dark,、mm -hmm. enclosed, very quiet, and probably dimly lighted. And not a lot of people there, so、um, and sometimes it can be quite boring. You have to spend a lot of time gazing and staring into the little plaques with a lot of words written on it, and you probably don't end up knowing anything from reading them. But the Imperial Qing Museum is different in the sense that 
Although it is built like a kiln from ancient times, the space is open. You can tell、mm. from the、uh, design of the of the landscape and the design of the space. You can walk in, and there's an open space, something like a roof hanging above, and there's water below, and you can look across the space. And you step into the museum. There's suddenly a roof. But the walls are not enclosed, and the lighting is very good. It seems like you're taking a tour in a market, and you just randomly staring into these precious items dug out from underground, and and things that are probably worth a few billion yuan. So, <laughs> just like that, it's so casual, and people go there not only to appreciate the relics from. Hundreds, if not a thousand years ago, they're also there to take photographs of them of themselves to to enjoy the experience. And it's it's an open museum; it's open to everybody. On top of the great design and layout you just mentioned, actually, other museums in China have also adopted different kind of technology, which is a really good thing for me personally. I love technology, <laughs> and there are AI robots, glasses translators, holographic projections, naked eye 3D, 3D printing, AR and VR technology, and all these intelligent exhibition allows me to feel like I am not just. In a museum, demonstrating the history, but also demonstrating the future, and that is a really good feeling, especially for those young twenty people who would like to take that place as a social、um, venue as well. So the popularity of museums nowadays here in China has also spawned new content. Earlier, we spoke to producer of Music Log podcast Wan Ying, who shared with us her opinion about museums and the origin of them. When we are talking about museums, in the beginning, in the very beginning, a few hundred years ago, a modern museum was a private museum. You have to be a friend of the owner, and there was some cabinets of curiosity. It's a personal collection, and you can visit. And then we have more modern and public museums, and museums have been facing all kind of challenges, and they have been realizing that first of all, they are not only existing for those few, for those. Uh, elites, they have to be open to the public,、uh, because of course they are spending our tax money. All museums all around the world, most of them, and on the other hand, they have to preserve and educate. It's not only about collecting the treasures,、uh, so to speak. It's about researching them and、uh, educate them to spread the knowledge they have to the society, and that's very important. I think for me, that's. Quite refreshing knowledge about definition of museums,、mm. and Wang Ying actually told me that that the definition of museums has been changing during the past few decades, and、uh, only in 2022, that is last year, there is a latest definition of museum. What really is museum about?、Uh, given by the International Council of Museums, and、uh, according to that definition, a museum is a non-profit. Permanent institution in the service of society that researches, collects, conserves, interprets, and exhibits tangible and intangible heritage, open to the public, accessible and inclusive. Museums foster diversity and sustainability. So that is the official definition about museum. Although Wan Ying told me that definition has aroused、uh, quite some controversy around the globe. Definitely, people have their own understanding of museums, but、uh, 
you know, looking at this definition, we could tell that first of all, a museum should be nonprofit. It、mm-hmm. should not be a, an organization that is to pursue some profits and、uh, to gain some interest from from the tickets sold to visitors. It should be a nonprofit organization. And meantime, it should serve the function of educating the public. You know, providing certain knowledge. Uh, about certain things, it can be different subjects. It can be nature. It can be history. It can be anything. Especially now, you can see various types of museums being held all around the world, especially in China. So it it can be anything. But all in all, you got to learn something from a museum. So if I'm rich enough and I've got a collection of a certain theme, but I do not have the ability to study any of these items, and I set up a "Quote unquote private museum for people to tour, but I also sell tickets. Then it should not be named as a museum. It should be named as an exhibition. I would、or、say that's a private museum, but a, it's a not like a personal collection. Yeah, a personal, personal collection. collection. Yeah, because there are a lot of these personal collection kind of museums in China nowadays. More people would like to share their interest to the fellows out there that they. Don't really know, and by doing so, they meet friends. They turn their private collection museum into a again social event, and they would even、um, hold lectures and seminars talking about these. And I think this is a really good example of how museums now, not only in China but around the world, turning to more of a、um, let's say community related things because. Of course, we love those major museums, the national ones, the provincial ones. But for these private ones, for these little exhibitions that are held around the community, that would gather people together in the community, they can also be very important. And I think these little museums are now also a trend, and we are definitely benefited from it. I have a question on the、uh, definition of museums. The latest, which Li Yi has just mentioned,、uh, rolled out by the International Council of Museums.、Uh, the word "nonprofit" really、uh, caught my attention.、Uh, on the one hand, I think is、um, it makes sense in the sense that,、uh, well, museums, if they are run, if they are decent ones,、uh, are probably costly to build and maintain. And to think of the items. That people have to、uh, procure through、uh, various means, spending money and also spending their time to build it up. I mean, there's no way that、uh, a museum owner or a curator could make ends meet by simply selling tickets to offset their investment. But on the other hand, there are plenty of you know、uh, private museums out there. If you go to Washington D.C., there are plenty of. Uh, museums that are free, but there are also museums that you need to buy the tickets for entry. I personally know of a family museum、uh, in Guizhou,、uh, in Xijiang Tianhu、uh, Miao Village, and so、uh, th- this is a family museum where the owner of the household、uh, sort of looked into the items, the family items they had, and they put up an exhibition of sorts to show the. Progress or the involvement of the family over the past few decades. So that that is that is a very interesting concept to be having at a tourist spot、mm. uh, with such ethnic flavor. I would think that maybe based on the、um, council's definition, this doesn't qualify as a museum. But from my own perspective, I would definitely think of this as a museum. I I will be willing to pay、uh, for the ticket to go and, and appreciate <laughs> what they have on offer. 
So this is certainly only my personal opinion, but yes, do museums have to be nonprofit? I wouldn't be so rigid about it. I would say we don't have to be so obsessive about you know whether a museum is a nonprofit、mm. or an, or a non nonprofit organization. I would say as long as a museum serves purpose of educating people, providing certain information, and then also、uh, fostering like sustainability and diversity in terms of you know. Gathering the whole community, that would be a perfect museum. Because if we are going to really discuss seriously about the definition of museum, I would say a city is a museum. is is really not the <laughs> correct、true. definition、mm-hmm. of the、um, definition given by the IOC, right? But now, obviously, a lot of people would say. Some cities, such as Beijing and Quanzhou, and maybe some Jingdezhen in Jiangxi Province, they have their unique culture and a typical feature in terms of their local、uh, diversity, and they can be considered as a museum, right? Right, right. So, yeah, cities like Beijing is uniquely advantaged to pose as a museum city, where just the central axis. If you go follow that central axis, it's enough for you to get a glimpse into the art. Of construction and architecture throughout the history of China, that would certainly be a very good perspective.、Uh, what other ways can we、uh, measure a museum? How do we define a good museum from the average museum? Well, you know, very interestingly, you know, before I asked that question to Wang Ying, you know, basically my personal understanding of a good museum would be judged based on the collection inside that museum. I would say as long、it's、as valuable, yeah,、mm-hmm. as long as they have valuable treasures, very fascinating, you know, collections that is amazing to me, I would say that's a good museum. But very surprisingly, you know, Wang Ying has her very different understanding about what is a good museum. At very first, I was like most of museum visitors. We were there to look at things, the objects, the collection, the treasure, <laughs> so to speak. But、uh, now, after visiting so many museums and have studied museology myself, what really matters to me is how the museum is opened to the public, how the museum serves its community and its visitors. When I visit a museum, the first thing I value is how is it accessible? Is it located in the center of a city or a community, or is it very far away in a new district? That makes a huge difference. Is there a subway or a bus you can take directly to the museum? Is there a ramp for people using wheelchairs? Are there enough toilets? Is there a cafe? Is there a restaurant where you can have a quick bite? Are there translations of multiple languages? Is there a well-built website where you can have the correct and updated information about how to visit the museum? You'll be surprised to find <laughs> all these I have mentioned above are very, very difficult to meet. So that's how I value a museum in the first place. And the, what what the exhibitions are about, how their collections are, are <laughs> like,、uh, they're not that important to me. Because a museum, I think, is not only a place where you go visit, you look at things. A museum has to try to include people and to service community and make it a place where people meet, where people hang out, and in that way passes on the information and the heritage it wants to preserve. A museum should not be a monumental institute. It should not be a temple <laughs> that's high above. Let's make museums like like parks. 
like、uh, cinemas where we can、uh, hang out, where we don't need to prepare ourselves to visit. That's really how a museum can thrive, in my opinion. All right, that was Wan Ying sharing her opinion about what a good museum should consist of. I mean, that's quite enlightening in the sense that she's really paying attention to the accessibility part of a museum, whereas perhaps an average museum goer would think of, oh, this is this valuable exhibit that isn't often shown. Here, maybe this is a an exchange program, something borrowed from、uh, Britannica Museum、uh, from the UK, that kind of thing.、Uh, wow, that's a cool, that's a, a trip well made, and that's money well paid. Yeah, I think that is.、Um, I mean, Wan Ying's point is very interesting in the sense that I've recently become a new mom, and I、mm-hmm. realize there are a lot of museums designed for kids. There would be a lot of interactive activities and gadgets, and kids can play. You know, on those equipment, play games to learn more about the exhibits, learn more about the relics, and all these are quite important because if you're taking a little kid to a museum that is dull, that is dark, that is nerdy, as Liming mentioned, with a lot of Chinese characters I cannot even pronounce or understand, that would be a horrible experience. But having these very accessible museums with a tour guide or an e-tour guide, a little translator machine that you can hold on your hand. That would be much nicer, and if we have、um, all these different kind of activities for not only children, actually for adults, if you are in a museum, you would most likely to go approach one of these machines to have a little bit light fun out of the really serious fun. Yeah, I think、uh, Wan Ying really mentioned something that I've never noticed before when I visited certain museums. Like whether they have convenient stairs, whether they are accessible to everyone. I think that's basically the most important function of museums. That is accessibility. That is to include everyone, include include the public as much as possible, because that is the very first step to attract more people to really appreciate the thing inside the museums. This is a great point. You're listening to Roundtable. Coming up in the second half of the show, more discussions on our International Museum Day special. The strong wind was howling and whistling. He was the first Chinese citizen to graduate from Yale University in the mid 19th century. I was born on the 17th of November. She had prominent features. Three of us were old enough to lend a helping hand. He navigated between two vastly different cultures, and moved further to realize his dream and promote understanding between the people of China and the United States. Ye Mingxing was a native of Hanyang. I realized no danger. China is really awakening. Come and join us in discovering the incredible journey of Yong Wang in his autobiography, My Life in China and America. Check out the audible stories on radio.cgtn.com and all major podcast platforms. Just search for the podcast "Books and Beyond" and find "My Life in China and America." Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable. This is Lai Ming, and we are doing a special program for the International Museum Day. And just now, we talk about the definition of museums by the International Council of Museums, and we talk about the、uh, 
evolution of、uh, museums and how people perceive of museums as opposed to well modern day people, modern day museum goers, and also there's some changes in China's museum. Should we call it industry? I mean, certainly more、uh, museums have、uh, been built over the years.、Uh, the number of museums、uh, has doubled over the past decade,、uh, also, and also the、uh, the percentage or the structure of museum goers、uh, has changed in the sense that more young people born after 1995 are going to museums and having a good time. They're treating it as a social occasion. And we ended on the discussion about what constitutes a good museum. What Wan Ying mentioned earlier was、uh, she would look at the accessibility of a museum and determine whether they have done a good job at making it accessible to all kinds of people,、uh, also to the community. Whether they have done a good job serving the community, educating people、uh, on culture and art. So that's quite interesting perspective. It really changes my my look on museums because,、uh, like I said earlier, we usually when we go to museums、uh, back in the days, I would look for, I would hunt for the most precious item. I would stretch my head so long、uh, to to get a glimpse of of the most valuable uh, item uh, from behind the crowd and and think of it、uh, as a trip well made. Only after I've I've done that. But nowadays, well, it really puts me into perspective. A museum has to serve a certain purpose. Compared to the old days when、uh, museums were personal collections,、uh, nowadays museums are mostly funded by、uh, the public、uh, coffer, and therefore it should serve a public purpose. On top of that, I think. Well, I did the same thing、um, previously. That is to look for the most valuable item. But recently, I realized, and I was actually educated by some professional museum goers, that actually a museum, an exhibition, is like storytelling,、mm-hmm. and each and every items are. Put there for a certain reason, and they have a relationship with each other. You can understand it as a word or a sentence of the story that you are just listening to. And learning the relationships between the exhibits is actually quite important when it comes to museum visiting. And that is quite a relief because I do not have to rush. Into each hole, have a glimpse, and rush to the other one, and make myself very, very tired. And another point I'd like to make here is: Do you guys know there is a thing called museum fatigue? Do you do you feel like sometimes if you're visiting a museum for let's say、um, two hours, in the second hour you would feel that you're a little bit too tired of all these valuable items, and you can't continue to read. Your mind cannot concentrate. You can't read the tiny little words under, as the description of the items. Do you I, ever I do. feel that? I do. Like for instance, oh, oh, this is Han Dynasty coin. Oh, this is Tang Dynasty coin. Oh, this is Qing Dynasty coin.、What、oh,、more? these are all coins. Oh, these are all coins, and they almost look the same. I think it really depends on how the exhibition planner tells the story, right? Because what you mentioned, Yunu, I think that's a very important part of visiting museums. That is to appreciating those treasures, those collections, and somehow you will get really exhausted after appreciating too many pieces of treasures, especially when you. Don't really quite understand why they are there. You know why they are inside the museum and why you have to look at it. And、uh, except for the part they are, they are quite extravagant and fascinating. So it's really about how exhibition planners tell the story of all these artifacts, of all these collections, and、uh, that also 
determines the quality of a museum. I would say, and I think it depends on what kind of person you are. For some people, if the museum would allow. Beverages from outside, it may help, or maybe if they have some water that you can, well, drinking water that that you can fill in your bottle, that may help. But for me, it's about the tour guides. If the tour guide is very interesting, telling stories、mm. about the relics, not just the history behind it, that'll help. For some others, maybe having technology aiding your touring experience might help. Some interactions. Making the museum a little bit more noisy than usual might help. While talking about technology being used in museums, I might have some, you know, quite different perspectives on that because some people may think, okay, the better or the more technologies a certain museum used, that would say that would just constitute a better visiting experience. But for me, I would say some technologies somehow. Undermine the whole visiting experience because I remember、uh, one day I visited a small museum in a small county in Hebei Province, and、uh, you know there was an exhibition about the ancient apparel culture. That is basically how ancient people are dressed up and what kind of clothes they are, you know, wearing、uh, on a daily basis. And at the end of the exhibition, there's a I would say electric dressing mirror. A、you、smart can, mirror. A smart mirror where you can really put your face inside that <laughs> mirror, and you can choose your favorite costume or or apparel or clothes,、uh, basically some dresses, and you can choose your、uh, um, accessories. And、uh, you know, I would say that's a fun activity, maybe for kids. But for me, I think that's somehow an awkward function. You know, especially when you have appreciated all those delicate、uh, ancient. Piece of clothes, and at the end of the hole, you are expecting a smart mirror. I would say that is not smart at all. <laughs> so somehow you see the、uh, the application of modern technology could somehow hinder the whole visiting、uh, or museum visiting experience. So I think that's also a question for museum operators and exhibition planners. I mean, how to use technology in a smarter way. I think that's certainly a very interesting phenomenon, and that's certainly a reasonable way to look at issues、uh, from the standpoint of Li Yi. But another way to look at this is well,、um, based on、uh, New Holland's comment, like we all different people. Some people might enjoy a boring experience、uh, visiting a boring、uh, museum. Some people might find it life saving to get a, a bottle of beverage、uh, during the trip. And some people at the end of the trip might enjoy a, a little interaction with a smart mirror.、Um, Now, no. Nowadays, museums are no longer exclusive、mm -hmm. places where only acquaintances of the owner can get to visit them. And the museums, like we said earlier, they have a part to play in the society, and that means they have to speak to different people. Some people enjoy that interaction、uh, in front of a smart mirror, and they might、uh, remember this trip to the museum, and by that they might remember a bit more. Uh, something that may have been too boring to memorize. Now, coming back to the concept of city as a museum, it's easy for us sitting here to identify with the saying because we live in Beijing, and、uh, like we said earlier, there's plenty of、uh, elements in the city that would help us、uh, think of it as a museum. Likewise, I think in, in other parts of the country, like in Quanzhou and in in Hangzhou. And in Suzhou, there's plenty of gardens there. I think people there might find it easier to identify with the saying, but I'm not sure it's true with everybody. So Wan Ying was kind enough to to share her perspective on this to help us understand this a bit more. I think 
knowing the parameters of a museum is so important that my show now is 50% focused on museums and 50% focused on the city and its whereabout and its culture and the people living around it. Um, well, actually, last year I did a podcast. I was really proud of it. It's called Lai Chu Quanzhou. Uh, let's go to Quanzhou or Zhuanzhou in their local language. I spent a few days not really visiting their museums, but wandering around the streets, uh, visiting their bridges, their temples. And Quanzhou is really a living, living city, a living museum. Uh, their local religions and uh, cultural practices are so well preserved. And you really realized if there is a museum about Quanzhou, how it should be look like. It even could be a virtual intangible museum because everything is still living. It's so in situ. You don't have to really go into, walk into an architecture that is called a museum. Of course, that's too good of an example. Meanwhile, in other cities, if you visit a museum, try not to visit the biggest and the most famous. I would advise our listeners to go to places that is smaller. It might not be the most famous, it might not be the most recognized, but it might just have the most tight connections to its community. And in Fuliang, I was really impressed by the art festival uh, in Fuliang. I even moved to countryside <laughs> after that because in Fuliang, I saw the possibility of how art can influence the rural area. And the team there, the guys or the presenters from their team, I really believed that they are professionally well-trained young students from art schools. But turns out they are just local farmers. And they have been working with the artists for several months. And they have been around all these visitors from all around the country. And they listen to the artists presenting their own works. And they have their own perspective because the artists, they come from far. Uh, they came to Fuliang and they, do their, they did their art. But what the presenters have, what the, what the local guides have, is they use their own views and uh, connect the artworks with their local rural life. It was so refreshing and they really have something that the artists from cities don't have. And that's so valuable. I cried <laughs> at, at Fuliang. So yeah, uh, even though the art festival is uh, over now, but they still have some sites you can visit and that's permanent. Wang Ying mentioned uh, a keyword Fuliang, which is uh, a small village uh, or a region in Jingdezhen in central China's Jiangxi province. Uh, that's my hometown. I had a chance to visit that place. And uh, it is a small village hosting a, a art festival. And that art festival is not hoi polloi, it's not up in the air. It's actually based in the village. So when you step into the vicinity of the village, you will see items on display uh, on the landscape. There's a huge lantern uh, on the small mountain uh, uh, by the village. And when you walk into the village, you see uh, the artists have done a good job fitting the existing structure of the village, the houses, uh, a tavern, um, and they've done very creative things to tell their own story. And the most precious part of it is, like Wang Ying mentioned earlier, the staff members, so to speak, of this museum or of this art festival, they are not professionals. They're not 
well, they are trained, but they are farmers living in the village. So they are telling the story of their lives, of their ancestors,、uh, by speaking to the tourists who come by. So they are telling their life story at this museum, and this is a very typical example of、uh, locality and of、uh, combining、uh, art. Uh, with the average life, the daily life. I mean, this is charming. When you when you are in China or when you are in this part of the country, I would suggest you pay a visit. I would say that's quite interesting because when talking about museums, you definitely can't ignore its local culture. I mean, the culture of the region or the city that a certain museum is located in, because that will definitely affect. How they plan the or construct the whole museum, and、uh, especially when you mentioned, she recommends people to visit those museums in smaller cities or even in villages. I quite agree with that because somehow I feel like smaller cities have their own unique flavor, and、uh, even some tiny small things inside that city or village can really constitute very unique culture of that region. Maybe that is a food, maybe that is a bowl of rice noodle that local people eat every day, maybe that is some certain temple that has been existing in that city for thousands of years, and somehow when you visit that place, you can definitely. Tell the unique flavor, and I would say that could also help you to understand its local culture that has been preserved in its local museums. Because I visited a smaller city,、um, or actually, that is a county named Zhengding in Hebei Province. I would definitely recommend everyone to visit that place because、um, it's actually a walled city like Xi'an, but it's much smaller than Xi'an. And you walk on the streets in that county, you can actually see the relics or the ruins of its ancient walls inside. That, that city, and particularly that city used to be a religious center for thousands of years, maybe. So inside that city, you can see a lot of pagodas and temples, very delicately built. So that is a vivid example of how small city can be a very beautiful museum to be visited. In that sense, local people are like. Exhibits of that museum, storytellers. Yeah, yeah, and they use local dialects and their、um, habits in living, the food they eat. Like you said, that sounds like quite a museum trip. So the theme of this year's International Museum Day is museum sustainability and well-being. I think we talk a lot about how museums can、uh, promote the well-being of the community it is in. And I think there's more we can talk on sustainability. We mentioned earlier how museums are non-profit, and、uh, most likely they're not going to make ends meet by selling the tickets. But what can they do? I mean, there are certain museums that have done a decent job at increasing their revenue by coming up with all kinds of products, ice creams, and、uh, creative and cultural products that they can sell online. Uh, is this a way to make museums sustainable, and is it the only way to understand sustainability for museums? Uh, I would say、uh, if we're going to talk about sustainability at a micro level, of course we can talk about how museum can sustain on their own, like、uh, as you said, I mean releasing their own 
cultural products and selling stationery and、uh, refrigerator stamps, whatever. <laughs>、um, but of course, I think for the International Council of Museums, they are really trying to raising awareness of building sustainability for the planet. That is saying to、uh, promoting the protection of the the natural environment, and uh, uh, that can be a great part that museums can play a role in. I can tell you, you, you have a very Confucius. I don't、face. understand. Are we yeah, talking about turning off the air conditioner in museums? Well,、Because、that can be a job that museums can do. But of course, you know, when talking about pr- promote、uh, sustainability for or on the part of museums, that can sound like a little bit ambitious or even ideal. But I mean, they can, you know, hold maybe more exhibitions about natural. World or the environment protection、uh. that is also promoting sustainability. You know, also for the good sake of the well-being of human beings.、Um, for example, Wang Ying told me in Shanghai there actually have been quite a lot of exhibitions and even museums focus on garbage sorting. We know Shanghai is a pioneer city in terms of promoting garbage sorting. We also discuss about the garbage bins、uh, on the streets of Shanghai in our, in our previous episodes. So that is a good example of how museums can play a role in that part. And also in Canada, there's also some museums, you know, promoting the idea of biodiversity. That is also for the good sake of. Uh, sustainability, right? And、uh, they are using their local animals or species,、um, not using, but they are really attracting visitors to appreciate their local、uh, species, to really raising awareness to protect the local environment and biodiversity. And also, there is a exhibition、uh, focusing on marine litter. Because we all know how many rubbish you could just observe on the coastline of a certain sea or an ocean. So.、Um, Local experts and also environment protection experts—they are using certain marine litter to produce very fascinating art decoration to, you know, raise awareness that how serious can marine litter、uh, be a problem. So in that way, that is also promoting sustainability. And if we want to be really ambitious about promoting sustainability, we can also bring back technology. I mean, museums doesn't have to be existing in the real space. It doesn't have to take up a few、uh, hundred square meters. I mean, certainly, it can live in metaverse. It it can exist in digital form where people not only in the immediate community can visit, but also. Uh, coming from across the world, they can also、uh, visit this museum and enjoy their heritage. Oh, totally! Actually, China has one of such quote-unquote museums. If you visit VR Chat, that is a game, and you have the equipment, you can actually visit the museum, highlighting 20 years of Chinese internet meme culture. You can wear your gadgets and walk into this virtual museum, see all the different memes, the origin of it, the original. Video, how people are using it, and the design of the virtual museum is actually quite. I think it's designed intentionally like a very traditional museum, <laughs> which is a little bit funny.、Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you can change your perspective. You can have this first-person perspective or the third-person perspective, meaning that the tiny little avatar of yourself can walk into the museum. Into I think one of its exhibit is the My World, that is a game,、mm-hmm. um, and you can change into this little Lego person that walks in. You can see yourself. 
entering that area, interacting with other visitors and you yourself become a part of the exhibition, not only a visitor, but a part of the exhibits, which is quite fun. And I would say that is really sustainable. Not a very good idea to appreciate some calligraphy by ancient dead people, but I can I can see the point. I mean, it's a community, and it's certainly a very good format to uh, promote Meta Universe Museum. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Now, during our discussion, we already touched upon some famous museums, and we'd like to end this special International Museum Day program by introducing and recommending certain museums. That we think you should miss. Sure, of course. Actually, there are too many. I don't know where to begin.、Uh, the National Museums and the Gugong Palace. Everybody knows. Let's dig deeper.、Uh, the first one I would really like to recommend is the only underwater museum, all around the world, called Underwater Museum of White Crane Ridge Bai Heliang Museum. It's located in Fuling, which is a, a county、uh, in Chongqing. It's underwater. You have to go down an escalator and go into a submarine that is permanently <laughs> installed underwater. The submarine covers a really cool big piece of stone, on which there are carvings lasted for over a thousand years. The museum is quite interesting because oftentimes when you visit the museum, you are allowed, you are free to go around and check out things on your own temple. But in Bai Heliang Museum. The museum White Crane Ridge.、Uh, you have to follow their guide. There is a very strict narrative, which is quite efficient. I looking back, if I went down to water directly without listening to our guide, it would a totally different thing. So this is very well designed. And、uh, how to visit a museum is also a thing that the museum should think about. And Bai Heliang executed that very perfectly. Well, another few actually.、Uh, recently. I don't know if you've heard about it.、Uh, in Luoyang of Henan Province, five or six museums they were doing sleepover at museums. It was so cool. I really wanted to go there, but like they only have fifty tickets per museum. It begins at sunset, and you spend the night in museum, and you leave the next morning. It's literally a sleepover. They have tents. Inside the museum for you, and、uh, the one I really wanted to visit, I really want to participate is、uh, the one in Luoyang Gumu Bouguan, which is a museum. I, I don't know its proper name, but Luoyang Museum of Ancient Tombs. They have actors, NPCs dressed up、uh, as people from Tang Dynasty, and there is a mystery you have to solve.、Uh, the visitors are detectives. It was so cool, and <laughs> I really wanted. If they are still doing that, if if they reorganize such、uh, sleepovers, that's another recommendation. I definitely agree with Wen Ying that National Museum of China is a place worth to dive in. That is also my recommendation to our listeners because I would say that's my personal favorite museums in China because. Uh, not only because of、um, its diversified varieties of exhibitions and collections the museum have. I mean, you can appreciate rich history and culture when you're visiting the museum. You can learn something about ancient China and ancient Chinese Buddhist Buddhist sculpture and ancient cuisine culture. There are a lot of exhibitions you can dive in. I also want to recommend this museum because of its accessibility. And it really does a good job in terms of building accessibility, in terms of delivering information to its visitors. Because you know, usually as a common 
visitor of certain museums, I usually worry that I don't really have enough knowledge about certain exhibitions of certain treasures before I visit that museum. So that's my concern. But when you visit National Museum of China, you don't really worry about that because they have their special app that you can download on your mobile phone and.、Um, You don't really need to hire a professional tour guide because they offer different versions of、um, storytelling of tour guide, digital tour guide on their app, and you can choose your own version. You want to spend two hours or four hours or even a day inside the National Museum of China. There are different lines for you, and you can choose one lines, and there are. Um, storytelling of different treasures of different collections, and、uh, there's videos, there's photos. So basically, when you appreciate the physical treasure inside the museum, and you can also listen to the story、uh, in your phone via that app. And there's also a very professional route that being provided by that app. So basically, you can just follow that line, and you can appreciate the whole story of maybe this part of history of a certain period in China. I would say that's a very considerate. Planning or designing for visitors and especially for the public, and、uh, also you can also DIY your own route.、Uh, for example, you can choose certain treasures or collections you want to visit this time, and they can just、uh, design a certain line, and you can just follow that line and、uh, complete your visit in inside those museums. And also a very important reason is that there are just too many exhibitions. I actually have never finished visiting all yeah, the exhibitions in the、too. National Museum of China, so it's definitely a place worth to dive in. And the museum I'd like to introduce、uh, or recommend is a smaller museum, like Wang has just said.、Mm-hmm. Sometimes you got to go to the a little bit unique, smaller one that is actually the Coal Museum of China, located in Taiyuan, Shanxi Province. Because for those of you who do not know, I actually graduated from the College of Mining Engineering, so I have a special connection to mining. And if you visit the Coal Museum of China, you can enter the stimulate. Coal mine by riding the cable car used by actual coal miners, and this six thousand square meters stimulated coal mine is the centerpiece of the exhibition. You can actually experience the life of a coal miner, and the stimulated mine consists of eight landscapes, including a realistic coal tunnel, ancient manual coal mining, modern drilling and blasting coal mining, modern. Machinerized coal mining and tunneling operations and geological structures and all these can be very interesting in my perspective and especially if you're taking your kids to go, they would be thrilled to have the experience to become this tiny little miner in that one day. A bit nerdy, but cool. <laughs> <laughs> my recommendation would be uh, the uh, Garden Expo. In Western Beijing, which I've mentioned on the show, and what's special about it is it's、uh, an indoor structure, but it has the full-size replicas of famous gardens across China. So you can spend half a day there and enjoy different styles of gardening that is so famous in ancient China. That's a trip well worth your time, and especially good for summertime and、uh, wintertime when the weather gets a bit extreme. 
And with that being said, we conclude our special program on the International Museum Day. Museums are going to play a bigger and bigger role in our lives as China continues to modernize and urbanize. And I certainly hope that everybody gets to enjoy their experience going to a museum and get the best experience out of them. And that's it for our discussion on Roundtable today. Thank you for listening. <laughs>